This episode of a podcast was recorded on July the 1st, 2016. The VGU podcast is brought to you by VideoGamesUncovered.com, your number one stop shop for video game related news, reviews, opinionated articles, and much more. That's VideoGamesUncovered.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a VGU podcast. I am Dom, and this time round, we've switched up the cast a little bit. We got some different members from VGU here today. Starting off the lineup, we have Rob. Hello. Very nice to see you, Rob. And we also have Liam. Hey there. Both of these guys have joined me in videos on our YouTube channel before, but that's not all we have with us, including this time round. We have a very special guest, a personal friend of mine, all the way from the US of A, fellow gaming YouTuber and Let's Player. It is Clover, aka Steel Fairy. Hi, friends. Very nice to have you all here and on board. And if you're new to the VGU podcast, welcome. This is just basically a chance for us to not hear a VGU and special guests to just chill out, have a nice chat about video games and all that jazz. So, let's get things underway. Let's start off by having a look over some gaming news. Rob, what news have you got for us? Well, I'm sure that you've, um, if you've been keeping up with the Nintendo side of things, you may have noticed that Shigeru Miyamoto has revealed in an interview that the reason they didn't show the Nintendo NX at E3 was because they are trying to hide a secret idea that they have that they didn't want anyone to steal. Fair enough. Now the question is, what do you think that secret idea is? Well, they Um, have said before that it could possibly be something like... uh, Well, I'm guessing that it's going to be something to do with maybe either AR or... I don't think it'll be VR because virtual reality, because they've stated in interviews before that... uh, they don't think that it's something they want to enter into yet. Fair enough, fair enough. Liam, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, to be honest, there's so much secrecy behind the Nintendo NX. It's like uh, when uh, the entire idea of the system has been fucking huge for the rumour mill. We've had people saying, oh, it's going to play every Nintendo game ever. Probably not, but hey, that's a really nice thought. And some people have said that it's taken out a patent to return to cartridge-based formats because now you get, like, SD cards that can hold so much information. They're the thing of bringing that back. That could be it. Honestly, it's really hard to tell, but I am really, really bloody excited for the NX because, well, mainly for Zelda, the Breath yep. of the Wild. That is, <laughs> like, yes. that is, like, 100% the reason for it because I kept a Wii U solely for that game. And now it's coming out on a new system, which means I'm definitely going to be getting that new system because i'm a sucker for the zelda series but yeah i i honestly don't know what it could be i kind of hope it could be some sort of cartridge based media because it would nice be nice to see nintendo do something that is different that won't screw them over like with the wii u i had a feeling that the new zelda game would come out on both wii u and nx kind of like twilight princess I, like, knew that's why it was taking that long. (laughs) Yeah, I had a feeling that would happen because it's like, why would they release a title on a system that, let's just be honest here, is dead as a dodo? I mean, the Zelda series is huge, but it's not something that people would just buy a console for unless you're me. 
So, yeah, I can completely see why they did it. They did it with Twilight Princess because they were like, who the heck owns a GameCube? Answer, again, me. <laughs> yes, GameCube is my favourite. Best yeah, the GameCube ever. version is actually um, still fetching 50 quid in some markets. Yeah, uh, at work sure. you sell it for about 45 quid. Uh, sometimes it goes up to as high as 60. Mm. And Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door is now selling for 52 as well. Bloody hell. Yeah, GameCube games are just worth a lot because no one owns a GameCube. I like how they released they re-released uh, Wind Waker on the Wii U because they were like, you know, not many people got to try out Wind Waker because it was on the GameCube and no one bought it. Sure. So mm-hmm. let's release it on another system that no one's buying. The GameCube Fire Emblem game fetches a lot now these days too. That's true. To be honest, every GameCube game fetches a lot. I mean... I saw a Spyro game at work that we usually sell for about a fiver on the PS2 and the Xbox. We sell it for like double that price on the GameCube simply because it's a GameCube game. Well, that's great because I have like a lot of Spyro games on my GameCube. I just have a lot of games on my GameCube. It's my Mm -hmm. little hidden gem. I love it, Mm. even though most people Speaking of Spyro, um, his rival Crash is is coming back soon, which is something that is going to be very exciting. Oh, yes. How excited I am for that. Now, now we'll bring up that slightly later on, because... That's fine. That's fine. I was just... um, I was just veering off of yeah, because, no of, uh, because of we were talking about Spyro. I thought yeah, I might as well relate in that sort of uh, sideline. Yeah, no worries. It, the only reason why is because um, after we've covered this bit and another bit in a moment, we will be covering some E3 stuff. And since that was revealed at E3, we might as well keep it uh, that part of the cast. Definitely. Um, but yeah, that's awesome to hear. Uh, Liam, what do you have for us? I have a couple of bits of news. The main one being Bioshock The Collection has been announced for, you know, PC, PS4 and Xbox One. It will contain Bioshock 1, 2 and Infinite, as well as all of the single-player DLC for those games. And it's one of those things where I just think, uh, do we really need more remasters? I mean, come on, who didn't play Bioshock in the previous generation? Exactly. True. Uh, I'm I'm just seeing way too many games coming out with like, oh, well, we can't think of a new idea for a game, so we're just going to take an old idea for a game and add the big HD logo onto it. You see, recently, right, there's been some really good remasters come out or announced. Like Final Fantasy XII, it makes sense. Not a lot of people really got into Final Fantasy XII, and even then, a lot of people were saying, why hasn't the Zodiac edition came out in the Europe and the US? Now we're getting a remaster on PS4 with that edition. A lot of people are happy. It's going to sell a ton. That's great. Another remaster was the God Eater 1 and 2 remaster that recently came out in the States and is soon to come out in Europe. Again, not a lot of people were able to get into those because for the most part they were exclusive to PSP and Vita. Now they're finally getting a PS4 remaster, have been completely overhauled so that they have like new implementations, level designs, upgrading options and all that jazz. And I've I've seen my mate play it through SharePlay. Fantastic work, possibly one of the best remasters I've seen in recent history. Bioshock Collection? Like, just like you said, Liam, who hasn't got or played all of those games already? I know, I mean, I love uh, all three of those games. Infinite, maybe not as much. Wasn't a huge fan of it. Like, Thank DLC. you, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> there are dozens of us, dozens. But yeah, uh, the Bioshock series... I absolutely love, but I really don't see a point in it being remastered, especially on the PC market. I mean, come on, we could already play Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite and 2 
uh, like mm-hmm. full 1080p with the help of mods and some things like that. But we could already play it in pretty much its full glory. We don't need a remaster. I mean, I can say the same for Skyrim, really. Yeah. It's Skyrim remastered is effectively Skyrim with mods. Yeah, well, the, um, on, on the Skyrim route, uh, talking of Skyrim, they were, um, they've announced that if you own Bioshock on Steam, you'll be able to get the HD upgrade free of charge. I know, and I will. I will take That's full advantage good. of. I, I will take full advantage of that because, yeah, I want to see what this remaster really does for PC. I imagine True. a bit more bloom, and a bit more texturiness. Yes. But that's really about it. But hey, if it's another reason for me to jump into Bioshock, I guess I'll give it a go. But it's not really something I'd go, Bi- Bioshock's being remastered. Take my 40 quid, please, 2K, you saucy minx. Yeah, for remasters, I think like they work well if they're bringing like older, underappreciated games back into light. But when it comes to like the Bioshock series or like the Uncharted collection or stuff, it's like those are already made a ton of money and pretty much everyone has played them if they had those systems so it it doesn't make much sense (laughs) i'm gonna jump in with the whole uncharted thing because i thought that was a really good idea to bring it to uh the ps4 because let's be honest the ps3 was not the best selling playstation that still goes to the ps2 but i mean a lot of people who had the ps4 were previously 360 gamers they never got a chance to play uncharted 1 2 and 3 which is a shame because those are absolute masterpieces of I a game. I guess you have a point three. there. A lot of people switched over because they didn't like the Xbox One, so... Rightly so. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um... PS4 masterpiece. Me... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they asked me, exclusives I can completely understand being remastered because of people who may not have been able to play it in the previous generation, which is why mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of PS3 games be remastered for the PS4, such as Uncharted, The Last of Us, The Beyond Two Souls... Final All that Fantasy jazz. 10. Final Fantasy X, as you said. Ask me, exclusives are perfectly fine to be remastered, but games that were widely available on every bloody system, yeah. you don't need remasters. I mean, I find it a bit silly that it's like Infinite Warfare doing a Call of Duty 4 remastered. Though COD 4 is my favourite card, I don't really care much for it being remastered. It still looked alright on a 360 and PS3. Yeah, remasters only really work for, like... Ones that were more ex- obscure, like uh, the remaster of Ico and Shadow of the Colossus on the PS3 was really, really good. I see remasters for games that were like on PS2 and GameCube and things like that being remastered for the new gen. Perfectly reasonable. You're remastering it to go into HD, which was such a huge step in technology and visuals mm-hmm. and console generations. But now we're seeing... A step from HD to a bit more HD. A HD, maybe. Am I one of the only people who really doesn't see that much of a benefit in 4K? Uh, 4K is not going to be a thing. It's like even with Project Scorpio. They said, like, oh, it can do 4K. They didn't specify games would be in 4K. They mainly specified video can be in 4K. We're not going to see 4K gaming in a console market for so many years to come. True. Especially in this current cycle of console generation. It's just not going to happen. It is never going to happen. We'll we'll keep that on par for now um, and move on to what uh, our special guests this week are still very. What do you have, news-wise, if you want to bring up? So, yeah, um, a lot of you know that I am a huge fan of Pokemon and Sun and Moon are coming out soon, which I'm very excited for. And the official Pokemon channel 
released more footage from the new games, and they revealed a ton of new Pokemon with some really interesting typings. We have a Bug Electric type now. We have a few new Fairy types. I am loving that Bug Fairy. It is adorable. It's pretty we cute. Have, Cutie um, Fly is probably the cutest mosquito I have ever seen or ever I know. will see in my entire life. He, oh my god, Would he beats be out... By. He beats out Mr. Mosquito. <laughs> but, it's like um, something you'd see on uh, Friendship is Magic or something. <laughs> oh, and um, the discount uh, Pikachu for this generation is an electric steel type. And when they showed it in the trailers, um, it had like these triangle marks on its body that kind of like came out, almost like quills kind of expanding when it's in battle. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's called um, Toga Damaru. That's a yeah. mouthful of a name. Yeah, it, It'll probably be changed when it comes localizing. <laughs> yeah, they'll probably do that brilliant Pokemon localization and call it like Jimmy. Like that. <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> I choose you! Jimmy! <laughs> Jimmy! Some, some of their names that they come up with are pretty creative, but uh, other ones it's like, eh. Speaking of name changes, I mean... Um... The Ape Escape series is particularly famous for this because the Japanese version of the names was used in the European release for 2 and 3, but they changed it to a UK localised in the first one. Hmm. But yet, when it came to America, all the names were changed completely. So instead of Kikuru, you had Jimmy, and instead of... Um, Natsumi, you had uh, Natalie. I mean, at least Natalie makes some sense, but Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, why? <laughs> yeah. So what's all this Jimmy hate? <laughs> I know. Sorry, yeah. any I listeners we have Jimmy, who are called Jimmy. But it is a bit common. Hashtag <laughs> give Jimmy a chance. <laughs> oh, and uh, did you guys see the normal dragon type from the trailer? Yes. It kind of looks like a kind of like never-ending story. You know what I'm yeah, thinking Falcor, of? Yeah, Falcor. Yeah, it's it's freaking Lord Lord. What's his face? The dragon from Wind Waker. Oh, um, I should know this. Uh, um, was it Lord Valu? Valu, that's him. It's like because whenever he when he does dragon breath in the video, it literally looks what Valu looks like when his tail's being tugged by the boss you have to beat in the volcano. It's freaking amazing. His ability looks pretty cool too. It looks like if he gets hit by a dragon-type move, it raises his attack, or maybe special attack, because I think he used dragon breath or dragon pulse or something in the trailer, and it completely demolished that Flygon. Very true. Very mm. true. And uh, I was quite surprised when they revealed all this that Solgaleo is actually going to be um, not a fire type. Mm. Yeah, it's it's steel type, which is an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, what was the name of the other one? The uh, one, the mascot for Moon? Lunala. Lunala, that's it. Because wasn't that, what, dark? It's oh, a it? ghost psychic. That was it. But I think, because they didn't reveal what its ability is yet, I think its ability might make it um, kind of like how Rayquaza's mega ability makes it so that uh, any attacks that are super effective against flying types do normal damage. I think it's going to be the same for Lunala because 
with ghost psychic typing, it would be extremely frail against dark types. So I think its ability might make it so that dark types will do normal damage instead of super effective damage, which would be fantastic. That would be understandable. I can get behind that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll soon see how that goes. Uh, definitely. Right. So what do I have? What do I have indeed? I have two mini bits. Uh, one in particular that I'm really hyped for. Loved the first one. Was hyped and waiting to see what they were going to do with the sequel. Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 finally has a release date. October 25th on PS4 and Xbox One. With a PC version coming out on October 28th. Sold. Already. Now, if if you haven't seen the trailers, go nuts. Now, it's looking like they've improved on every complaint I had with Xenoverse 1. Even then, I didn't really have that many complaints. The game was pretty damn great. The only massive problem I had with the first one, if anything, would be like network connection issues at times. Mm. Even then, the game was brilliant. Being able to customise your own warrior... I hope this time round they add more customization options. So not just having like Saiyan, Namekian, yeah, Boo. four races, <laughs> like having having in Saiyan, Namekian, Boo, Android, Demon, like all these different variation of types. Maybe even like Beerus's like race, like the cat people. That would be pretty awesome. The chances of expanding on what Xenoverse One brought out is just out there. I cannot wait just to see. No matter that. what they add, I'm still going to choose the Frieza clan as my character. Frieza um, clan is best clan. Yes. If I could just get your opinions on this. Uh, right now, Dragon Ball Xenoverse is like nine ninety nine on the Steam Summer Sale. Get it? Is that worth it? Because I, I saw it when it came out and it did look like a pretty fun game. It is. But- it's so fun. It's worth it. I'm not a big enough Dragon Ball Z fan to fork out 40 quid for it, but now it's uh, now it's at a decent price. I kind of want to fork out just a tenner. It's Ooh. worth it. It's definitely worth it. Especially with the systems that we have in place so that you can learn moves from Goku, Vegeta, and all, like, the... Even, you can even learn moves from, like, the jobbers from the Dragon Ball series, such as um, Raditz. From... Even if you're not a huge Dragon Ball fan, if you're a fan of fighting games in general, I would yeah. definitely recommend it. Okay, cool. It's super probably solid. Probably will. Yeah, the um, Bandai Namco have done pretty well in terms of like games like that recently. I mean, their version, their latest um, Digimon game to come over here was absolutely incredible. Wasn't that the Cyber Sleuth one? Yes, I've heard good things about that. A lot of the people I work with are quite big Digimon fans, and they were going nuts over that. Cyber Sleuth is still one of my favorite games that came out recently such a good title and if the rumors are true saying that if the sales in europe and america have been that good they could be bringing over the next digimon world which is awesome because the next digimon world has one of the bosses if not the final boss of the game being the main protagonist from digimon world one which i played religiously on ps1 back in the day when i was a little weeaboo boy so (laughs) this this is great like tons of nostalgia and i'm loving it the last bit I have to bring up before we move on to the next part of the podcast is a, it's a bit of a personal one because I'm a huge wrestling fan. And when I went out on Twitter about this, I had a big Twitter conversation with the 2K guys because we were just going uber nuts over it. 
They revealed this this year's WWE 2K17 cover star, which is none other than Brock Lesnar. Sorry. Oh yeah, it's not quite John Cena, but it's better than John Cena. Uh, <laughs> at, at least I'm stems fighting. Hey, hey, I say, I'll say it. <laughs> like Brock Lesnar can F5 John Cena left, right, and center. I'll say that till the cows come home. He can refresh him. That is true. Suddenly you lose like 50 followers. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But oh no! It's, it's great to see Brock Lesnar um, as cover star. I did have a conversation with one of my wrestling mates about this and he did bring up a very good point that this is kind of outside of gaming but I'm just going to bring this up as a kind of thing that's happening in real life as to why this is kind of a bad thing. Because Brock Lesnar being the cover star for WWE 2K17 is a bit weird. Bearing in mind that his current live-action contract is that he comes in during the major pay-per-views, beats the living crap out of someone and goes home for a bit and works the hell out. But he's coming back to UFC in UFC 200. And he's the, he's on like all the posters and he's the main cover guy and the selling point for UFC, as well as WWE now. So it's this whole conflict of, okay, you're basically taking over the sports industry. Give other guys a chance. Which I can understand, but you've got to bear in mind, he's Brock freaking Lesnar. The man is a human tank, and if he wants to be on the cover of two franchises, let him, because otherwise he could kill you with his pinky and his thumb. And it sells copies, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much so. So yeah, those are all little bits of news we've obviously seen throughout uh, the week recently. Now, let's talk about something a little bit more personal. What have we been playing and enjoying in our gaming life this week? Liam, why don't you start us off? Oh god, let me just get the giant scroll of games that I've started. Yeah, not finished. (laughs) Uh, Right now, I've taken advantage of the Steam Summer Sale, and I bought myself Stardew Valley. Because I've I've always (gasps) been a fan... (laughs) <laughs> Yay! I've always been a fan of um, those type of games, the Harvest Moons, the Animal Crossings, basically things where it's like, you know, your real life is a bit boring. Here's a, something that is a bit like a real life, but so much more fun. Stardew Valley is probably the best Harvest Moon game I've played in a while. Got myself a lovely farm, talked to some people, trying to make everyone my friend, and I got a dog. And to be honest, what else do you want in a game? If in, I mean, add oh. getting a dog to any game. God of War, if Kratos had a dog way better game mm. last of us if there was a dog it probably would have died but it would have been even better oh mm. yeah i think there already was a dog it was called sarah no that's horrible <laughs> <laughs> whoa no. you bitch <laughs> sorry that was just a dark joke yeah whoa <laughs> sorry getting been... some late night podcast now <laughs> yeah but uh Mental anyway Rob will not be appearing in any future podcasts I'm being censored. Help me, help me. Ooh. Where's the fair use? (laughs) I I do like Stardew Valley for the fact that you can marry the same sex, you can uh, interact with people in that way, and it just so. It's so open. Yeah, it's definitely the Harvest Moon of the 21st century, because if you, if you played A Wonderful Life on the GameCube, which is probably the last brilliant Harvest Moon game, it was very much a, you want to marry? Marry a woman, and only a woman. Otherwise, we're going to be very disappointed in you, son. Stardew Actually, Valley is, 
I, I think mm-hmm. the last brilliant Harvest Moon game was Harvest Moon DS. I really liked I'm, that one. I've not played that. I haven't really played many of the handhelds. But this isn't the point. <laughs> the point is, Stardew Valley lets you marry same sex and have a little same sex couple. And that's incredibly progressive of it because it's, it does the whole being progressive, allowing you to marry same sex, but doesn't make it the main focus, which it does kind of annoy me about some games that I go, it's being really progressive because it has like homosexual characters not being sort of segregated yes segregated thank you and making them like a a pillar it's just like oh yeah you could you could have a same-sex marriage i mean i I imagine since it's like basically a fan-made harvest moon game they have that feature in there but they probably don't like focus on it they're just like yeah it's there whatever uh, and that's what it should be <laughs> you shouldn't exactly. hold stuff up like that up as a pedestal it should just be you have that yeah but mm-hmm. that's the norm these days so mm. we're going to treat it like that's the, the norm. norm to be fair with old harvest moon games i would always play as a guy anyway because i always liked the female love interest way better than the males they are just far more interesting and cute <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, they did have uh, a bit more depth to them. Yeah, a lot of the guy characters were like, my name's Chad and I like football. And it's like, well, you're a very interesting two-dimensional card. We'll cut out Chad, but I'm just going to go away now. Yeah, you won't... Yep, your social link's being ignored, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's me. That is, that yeah. is one, of the, one of the few games I've been playing this week. But Stardew Valley is definitely one of those things where I started it about 10pm. I was like, oh, I'll give it a quick go. It's one of those relaxing games. It'll help me get to bed. Four hours later, and say like, oh, it's two in the morning. I have work in six hours. I should probably go to bed after harvesting some more cauliflowers. If you ever play Harvest Moon DS, it is exactly like that. I mean, A Wonderful Life, I used to spend hours upon it on my GameCube. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Stardew Valley is an absolutely brilliant Harvest Moon sort of game. The soundtrack is adorable. Visuals are brilliant with the sprite style. Usually I'm starting to get a bit bored with the sprite style, but it really rocks it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's eight quid now or so on Steam. I do recommend people pick it up because it's just bloody adorable. Freaking great. Absolutely amazing. That's brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> great stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, sorry Dom. we didn't thanks. need to blank you out there Dom just just clarifying <laughs> but it's great yeah three times I like it Rob what about you well I've uh, like like Liam I have picked up a couple of gems from the Steam Summer Sale like uh, the uh, point and click adventure game called Heaven's Hope I've I've heard about that how is it it's I have no idea uh, pretty what this interesting is. it's kind of like it's almost a bit gothic. It's set in the past, and it's about an angel who falls down from heaven and him trying to get his wings back. Sounds like a Disney movie. It almost does, yeah. But I think you're probably looking more towards like Tim Burton rather than rather mm. than like Disney. Oh, but, okay, yeah. you're selling it a bit more there. Yeah, it's uh, pretty good, and uh, I also got one called Fran Bo as well. Is that like Rambo? But no, starring it's, Fran. it's starring a girl. It's starring a girl. She's got like, I'm um, right. I think she suffers from a, a mental disorder and you've got to help her escape the situation she's in. So, Rambo. <laughs> he, was a, he was a deeply misunderstood fellow. I could just imagine that now, just a girl called Fran. It's like, Fran, you need to get out of there. You're not in the right. war anymore. I could do it. 
<laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, honestly, the main game I have been playing this week is on the Wii U. It is called Tokyo Mirage Sessions Yay. Sharp Fire Emblem. Woo! And it is absolutely amazing. I mean, I am a massive fan of Shin Megami Tensei in general, and Persona, and, well, anyone who's watched any of the previous Persona videos with me voicing it will know this, but um I just... It's... It's relaxed, but at the same time, it keeps you challenged, and you get to relate to the characters, you enjoy their experiences, be like, like you, you want Tsubasa to succeed in becoming an idol, you want Tuma to become a hero, and you want Itsuki to, even though he's a bit reluctant at first, you get the feeling that he, he thrives from helping the others survive. Did you say there's a character called Tuna? No, Tuma. Ah, oh, dang. It's not it's a Tuma. It's, um, it's <laughs> yeah, spelled, I was like, Tuma? <laughs> it's spelled uh, T-O-U-M-A, so it might be Toma. But I, I, to be honest, mm. I, I, it's not vocalised in English, so yeah. the, the um, because uh, there's only a Japanese dub because of all the singing involved. Like, they did, they, the developers said that they wanted to... Uh, make sure that the voice actors that played the characters sang the songs. Fair enough. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. that's more important over there. Like, So they're it, not doing a Disney where they just get someone else to sing the songs if they can't sing. Exactly. I was about to say that. Like, I'll do it. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like... one of my pet um, peeves with voice acting. It's like... Uh, but one of the things I found out is actually a lot of the time... It's nothing to do with the fact that they can't sing. It's something to do with the licensing rights from keeping the songs. Yeah. Huh. So, like, it's, they can't release the songs themselves after they've after they've recorded the film. It has to be done by someone else, so Disney have complete control. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, it was... Um, it was... Um, I found it out when I was doing watching a video of Oliver and Company... When, um, was it Billy? God, I'm trying to remember his name now. Billy. The, the one that said, Why Should I Worry? Oh, so, yeah. That, that was Billy Joel, but Billy I can't Joel, that's the dog's it. name. Another, yeah. Oh, it's a Billy, not a Jimmy. Never mind. But it's, uh, <laughs> I was thinking of Double The Dragon actual now. voice actor for the character Jimmy Lives was Matter. someone else. And mm-hmm. the, um, but they made Billy Joel, like, they got Billy Joel to sing that song so they would have complete control over the, the song rights. Ah, gotcha. Well, that's what I heard anyway. But um, yeah, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, absolutely fantastic. I mean, the difficulty, like, if you've played a Shin Megami Tensei game, you'll know how the difficulty curve can suddenly go up sharply and then go back down. And But um, it's just a load of fun, and I highly recommend it. Nice. Like, it's a... It's the perfect thing to keep you going until Persona 5 comes along. Absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, when I was playing through the other day, I'd got my car- my party up to level 12, like the rural thing, and then it suddenly said, do you want, like, it'll suddenly say, there's a dangerous area ahead. But then when I got to the boss, I found it was level 16, and I got creamed. Dang. Ouch. <laughs> so yeah, I had to basically 
go back to the drawing board and I lost about an hour of progress because oh, yeah savage that's that's enough to wow. make me put down a game and never return yeah <laughs> well, that's the difference between I'm a very you and impatient man <laughs> I'm a very impatient man that's that's some ball yeah that's Shin Megami Tensei for you Oh, yeah. And it's especially hard in uh, Persona 3 SVS when uh, oh, because you have no control over your party members and if they do something completely stupid... It's out of and... your control. You can't do it. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was I so, hate that. That was like, one of the worst design decisions. Like, great game, but why? <laughs> like, one of the things. Mm. Oh, God. Wait. Like, Persona 3 Portable made it a lot easier... Mm. By letting you control the party, which was good. True. Right. Clover, what about you? What have you been playing? Well, um, I recently picked up, um, Pikmin 3 because it's been a reduced price within Nintendo Selects collection for Wii U. So I got that and I love the Pikmin series. So, of course, you know enjoying Pikmin 3. And I'm still trying to get through Fire Emblem Awakening because it's a long game and very difficult because I'm playing on the version which basically if someone dies they oh, die forever. Oh, so yeah, classic Fire Emblem mode. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which put me off Fire Emblem like when I I, tr- I played the very first one on Game Boy Advance and it only had that mode. There wasn't an option to turn off and have the not permadeath, which meant I got attached to certain characters and went, I like this person, they're sassy. Yeah. And then they died and went, they'll be fine, I'll heal them after the battle. I was like, where'd they go? Uh. Well, so far, I've only had one death. Like, sometimes if a character dies, I'll just restart the mission because I'm a sore loser. But um, <laughs> I, I actually had to sack a character because there was no way around it. So I was like, okay... I'll do it to this low-level character who I don't really like his personality, and that was Vike. So, uh, sorry, Vike. You did it to my boy, Vike. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't. I, I don't really like him that much. I'm sorry. The true hero next to Crom. <laughs> Actually, the true hero of Fire Emblem Awakening is definitely Donal. He oh, becomes yo. a monster. Yes, Donal is a beast. Speaking of Crom. He is actually your the main character of Tokyo Mirage Session FE. It's his Mirage. Dude, Ooh. his his design in Tokyo Mirage Sessions is amazing. Like I I forget who the designer was behind that, but oh my god. It's like the work they did with Cloud's outfit in Kingdom Hearts One. It's so good. Hmm. I will have to check that out. I don't know what any of you are on about because I have not played enough of a Fire Emblem game. <laughs> to be honest, I haven't played for the only played Fire Emblem very briefly when it was an inte- part of the Nintendo Ambassador program on 3DS. Fair enough. Right. I guess it's now down to me what I've been up to. Um, well, for those who have been checking out my own personal live streaming sessions. I have decided to go back and play Kingdom Hearts 1 on proud mode. Yay! It is punching me in the dick. God. That's not true. Based on your death counter, you've only died 11 times. That's not so bad. That is true. Like, um, out of interest, in case people are interested, 
in my recent live stream, I live streamed with uh, Clover supporting me in commentary, and I only did die three times, and um, that actually went quite well, especially since I went against Guard, Ar- like the second version of Guard Armor, where he reverses himself and becomes tougher, beat him first time without a problem. Same with Cerberus, beat Cerberus first time without a problem, and I'm just looking at myself thinking, what is this madness? So who knows? I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. I'm probably not going to suck um, as bad until we probably hit Sephiroth and the optional bosses, but that day will come. Um, But as well as this, since we've got a similar theme going on at the moment with Steam sales during the summer sales, I don't know whether I should say this out loud because you guys, plus the people at home, may, may just lose hope in me after I say what. What games I've decided to cash in on. Um, I decided to buy Final Fantasy 13, 1, 2, and 3 through the Steam sales. I really want to actually play that because everyone seems to poop on it. I kind of want to know why. It's one of those things where it's so horrid that I, I'm intrigued. I don't, I don't think, for me, it doesn't feel like a Final Fantasy as such. But I do enjoy the game. Like, so... It's like, I really like Sarah as a character, and Vanille, and Fang, and... Don't you they dare just say all... Hope. Don't you dare say Hope. <laughs> I like Hope when he's an adult. Thank you! When he's a kid, he's just an annoying brat. Yep. <laughs> like, this is the thing, and this is why I and went And Snow, back. well, anyone voiced by Troy Baker gets a thumbs up in my book. Oh, yeah. Like, this and is... Yuri Lowenthal. Like, got a yeah. man crush on him. <laughs> man crush. <laughs> so this is why I went back and I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to get Final Fantasy 13, 13 13.2 and 13.3 for my PC. For these reasons. Number one, Final Fantasy 13, I initially got on my PlayStation 3. I actually really enjoyed it. It wasn't good enough to be put up there with some of my favorite Final Fantasies of all time, but it was still fun. I don't think it's as bad as what people say it is. Sure, there are bad things such as HOPE, but apart from things like that, it was a relatively fun game for if you want a more linear Final Fantasy experience with different kind of challenges based around the paradigm system rather than challenge based around you having to find the weaknesses and mould your attacks depending on the enemy you're up against because auto-battle. But then Final Fantasy XIII 2, I played that one on PS3. I also kind of enjoyed it, apart from one thing, which was the ending absolutely sucked. The And this is a mini story that I have for this. So I'm at university playing Final Fantasy XIII 2. I am beating the final boss of the game, which I won't spoil in case there are people out there that still haven't played Final Fantasy XIII 2 to this day. But let's just say that final boss was insanely hard and long. I finally defeated said final boss. And the whole story was leading up to a big reveal, a big glorious, yay, we finally fixed it sort of feeling. And no, you get shafted. An absolute middle finger, and it'll all be answered in the sequel. God damn it. And even then, Final Fantasy XIII I it's the only game in the trilogy... I've barely touched. The only time I touched it was at an an EGX when it was on show alongside Kingdom Hearts 2.5. I played it, I covered it, 
I enjoyed it for what it was because it kind of reminded me of the Ten Two Dress Fear system. But overall, kind of shit. At least from how I played it. But I'm gonna go back and play it again, maybe on live stream as well, just to see how good it was. So the games were all bundled together. I had to get them all separately, but luckily, mm. I think like thirteen two was like sixty five percent off. Same with thirteen. The only one that wasn't as greatly on sale was Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy thirteen three, um, which was only down, I think, thirty or forty percent. But it was still worth it for the amount of money I was paying for. So I'm going to enjoy playing all of them again. If I like, if I fall in love with them, I'll let you guys know. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying thirteen for what it is, and I'll just see where the others take me. Definitely. All right then. One thing that I will say. <laughs> Is that um, Final Fantasy Fifteen? I'm on the fence. I really am. Pre-ordering it. <laughs> I, it does look great for what it is, but I don't know. There's something put me off about it. I. You're not I'm the not only sure one. If like when I played Episode Duske, it was like I really thought it was good, but I'm not sure I would spend a whole game doing it. But I, but one thing that I'm sure that many people would agree with me on was that the one of the best things about this is the Florence and the Machine cover of Stand by Me. That, that was, was really that was a really cover. good cover. It was absolutely incredible. It, to be honest, I mean, a lot of people would probably shoot me down for this. I prefer it to the original version. Oh, better than yes. Danny Kings. I know. I just, I don't know. I just, it's like with a lot of things. People say, you know, um, you hear the original version so much that you love the song, but you get, you're fed up of hearing that person singing it. I know it's not Mm, that you don't love it any less, but it's like when I, um, and you're entitled to your opinion. It's like when I, um, I mean, a lot of people didn't like the series, but it was like when Glee was on. People s- hated it with a passion sometimes. Still do. <laughs> but it Me. did introduce a load of good songs to an audience that wouldn't have heard them before. That's true. It brought, like, older songs to a new generation. And some of the covers were actually amazing. Like, like there were a lot of them that could just, like, rubbish. Yeah, but- I couldn't stand the singing of, like, the main character girl, every time she sang, it looked like she was in pain. Yeah, Leah Michelle, like, she's very... because <laughs> she was. She's very hit and miss. Like, but she's in glee. I love the, the voice of the, of the sassy black girl, though. And oh, I Mercedes did see her. Um, they recently... Uh, I don't know if they broadcasted it over on your side of the pond, but um, over here, I saw a live production on TV of The Wiz and she was in that as well. So she's still doing stuff and more power to her because I love her voice. I mean, one of my absolutely favourite covers is from, they did an episode themed of Saturday Night Fever and the cover of Boogie Shoes that they did was so much better than the original. Like, because the original was so slow and boring but it it just brought new life to it. And it was like, you think when you hear it, it's being sung by a woman, but it isn't. 
Uh-huh. There you go. Hmm. Like, it's just so fantastic. Oh, it's that one guy. Alex Newell. Yeah, he can sing really high. I liked him, too. Yeah, that <laughs> yes. one guy. Sorry, I only had, like, two <laughs> characters from that show that I actually liked, and they anyway. were the two that we just talked about. <laughs> I, I've, I ne- I've never I seen that show, it's guys, fine. <laughs> but now I'm kind of thinking the screw attack with Death Battle needs to do a high school musical versus Glee Death Battle. Oh, oh my no, god. That would be cool. I, I would watch the hell out of that. Oh god. Yes. Just yeah. just like just like the one me and Clover were talking about in the live stream hmm. when, um, oh, what was it? It was like a Death Battle between um, the, the fairy, fairy godmother god versus the three, like, the three good fairies from Sleeping Beauty. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, the best of death battle. <laughs> That'd be good. No, you know what another good death battle would be? The horse from Rapunzel versus Pegasus from Hercules. Ooh. Oh, now that would be good. Pegasus it's going to be a win. horse battle! Pegasus would win. Pegasus is the sassiest horse. Have you not seen Tangled? Not real, made out of like <laughs> I have, that I horse is it. sassy it's too. Like It's yep. such a good matchup. I know, but Pegasus had Danny DeVito to help him out on that. That's kind of true. Tangled Horse did not have Danny he DeVito. He had rule number 96. <laughs> Aim. Use your sword, kid. I'm So. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know what? Recently, and well, I say recently. It's kind of a while back now. But one thing that we haven't talked about on the podcast yet, at least we did our prelude thoughts to it, was E3. E3 was big this year. Personally, I don't think it was the biggest E3 we've had in recent years. Well, But it was good. It can never really be the E3. The, the E3 is always the one that comes after a console announcement. Because when True. the PS4 and Xbox One were announced, it was like, hey, here are the games for the new generation. Well, this year was just, here's some, here's some more <laughs> games for you know that generation. We got Watch Dogs too, guys. One of the biggest, <laughs> yeah. like, one of the best E3s of recent years. Well, not recent, but it was when they announced the Wii. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that the, actually the, went down really well. Yeah, I mean, it? the Wii, when it was first announced, it was, as Nintendo put it, revolutionary. Wasn't that when uh, Miyamoto came on stage with, like, the uh, Master Sword and Hyrule Shield and revealed, like, Twilight Princess? Yeah, that, oh, I remember squealing like a little girl <laughs> at that trailer because it that looked amazing. so amazing. And I still think that Twilight Princess is an amazing game, as much as people like to poop on it. Yeah. I reviewed Good. the um, the HD port um, for the website. I bought the HD re-release as soon as it came out, and then I lent my manager my Wii U, so I'm still waiting. I bought it. it for the Amiibo, <laughs> and it also, uh, if you pre-ordered it, it came with like a soundtrack. Not the complete soundtrack, but like kind of like a medley of songs. Yeah, I... Yeah, I got that version as well, because it was like three quid more than the normal yeah. game. Atlas tend to do that. Oh, uh, good stuff. So, what I want to do here in this mini E3 um, Roundtable. segment that we have here, pretty much, I want us to bring up some of our favourite moments from E3 of this year. These could be anything from, like, announcements, moments that we generally thought shouldn't have happened, like, I don't know, Zac Efron! Anyway, um... <laughs> yeah, well... Talking of high school musical. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We'll bring that up later, I'm sure. Um, um, I think that he actually doesn't like to talk about that stuff anymore, I don't think. I know, which is kind of why I, I've... I don't see why, because it's better than what he's doing now. Yeah, that, all this that movie. Bad comedy, oh, maybe. High school musical is better than Bad Neighbours, or True. as it's called, Bad Neighbours. Oh. 
Like, I don't oh. know about you, but I always thought that his career was going to be soaring, flying. <laughs> yeah, breaking free. Oh. Uh, Could be the start really of something not. new. Oh. This is the, the best podcast on <laughs> this side of iTunes. Oh, yeah. We're bopping to the top, baby. If you wanted to hear three grown men sing High School Musical, you've come to the right place. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, We're all right. in this together. Yeah. Hey, Cobra's in on it too now. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, right, let's get a roundtable going with our E3 moments. Let's let's start off with good. Like, the good of E3. Okay. And Clover... You haven't started us off yet, so why don't you do it? Ladies first. All right. Well, I appreciated a lot of the gameplay that was shown, particularly um, for Horizon. Oh, Horizon I'm really the, looking forward that to that does game. Look bloody marvelous! Oh, oh my gosh, it looks so good. Like from Guerrilla Entertainment to go from Killzone, which... giant robot crabs. Yes. <laughs> Just yes. Like as soon as I saw crabs, I'm like. I'm, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm like you, you had me sold on the giant mech animal dude from the last E3, like, like big showcase of it. Crabs. <laughs> yeah, and there's like kind of giraffes, kind of alpaca, kind of shaped ones. Yeah, I, like these I, I thought... <laughs> deer that you can mount and reprogram to. Become yeah, yeah. Mm. Sorry, when you said that, it just reminded me of. Um... Of uh, of a crab meat from Sonic the Hedgehog, like terrorizing like a, a city <laughs> like Godzilla. Oh God, <laughs> oh, Sonic! How I do love thee. You know what? That's a remaster we need. We need a remaster of Sonic 06, Sonic and the Black Knight. We need all that. Uh, yes, we do. And we should call it a of garbage Sonic and the collection. Black Knight. It's being played by Game Grumps right now. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I watched I watched the entire Game Grumps of Sonic Boom. There were so many glitches. That, oh is, that is golden. I want to get Sonic Boom just so I can experience it myself and also try to complete the game in 10 minutes by using the Knuckles jump glitch. Oh, yeah. Did it work? I think Which they I think patched still that. You, you sure? I thought they patched it. No, I, I, I think it got to a point where uh, Big Red Games, I think that was the name of people who did it or something like that. Yeah, Big mm-hmm. Red Button. Big red button, thank you. Yeah, they uh, they realised how much they sort of screwed up on the game, and when people found that glitch and started using it and laughing at it, they just sort of went, to be honest, guys, we'll just keep it in there, shall we? It's, it's not like we can fix this. No, it's a speedrunner's paradise with that glitch. Yeah. But, like straight up. But yeah, um, yeah, we need that, that remaster. I'd buy that. I would actually buy that. I would totally. <laughs> only, only if it comes with Shadow the Hedgehog oh, as well. Edgy the Hedgehog. Gotta have a remaster of that. Yeah. Get all the blacks and reds a in HD. Of Sonic Heroes, where they change Tails' voice. Oh, to sound like a, an actual three-year-old kid. Yeah, because Tails' voice just sounds... Shut up! He sounds... <laughs> Shut up, Tails! Ridiculous. Yeah, so, I actually kind of liked Sonic Heroes. I was going to say, Sonic Heroes as a game is actually really fun. Really enjoyed that game. Say, yeah. Just Tails mm-hmm. sounded... Crap. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. awful. Well, okay, one of the positives I can say about Sonic Boom is that Amy's voice actress I like. Yeah. I'll agree with that. To be honest, the cartoon's actually not that bad. I've always been quite a fan of the Sonic cartoons. Sonic Sat AM always being the best yes. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sonic Boom... It was a really nice, little funny and quirky, light-hearted Sonic that wasn't as terrible as the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog that was released in, like, the 90s. 
It's mm, decent. But back to Horizon Zero Dawn, because that's yeah. what we're talking about and not, not our blue spindly friend. Yeah. Tangent. Yeah, quite the tangent. But yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn I'm really interested in seeing because it is from, I say, Guerrilla Games who did the linear shooty shooty bang bang evil space nazi things that was Killzone, and they're going into a big open world sort of post-apocalypse but everything is now primitive with a bit of space mumbo jumbo everything about that makes me go right i i need this game all up in me oh yeah like- yeah it kind of looks like the robotic animals sort of like took over the world because all the people are living in more primitive kind of societies but they're scavenging off of these creatures now i'm wondering if the creatures are robotic are they like sentient or do they just kind of like roam around i reckon they are sentient i reckon they're um no i I reckon they're different types so like you'll have like the roaming Hmm. robots then like where they showed in the gameplay they'll be like the corrupted robots for like yeah the ones that attacked you yeah Yeah. and then you'll have those like robots that seem to be like security robots from like mysterious potentially alien faction that's like to monitor and make sure that everything stays to the norm and if anyone's doing anything out of ordinary they're just like target confirmed there's definitely a lot that they could do with that idea and i'm interested to see where it goes yeah, when they showed the story trailer, it really sort of, it did hook me really quickly. I mean, I already was impressed with the visuals because, let's be honest, when it comes to graphical fidelity, uh, it is pretty much Naughty Dog versus Guerrilla Games on the PlayStation. It's like, True. Uh, they tried it with Uncharted and it was like, Killzone looks better than Uncharted, then the next Uncharted looks better than Killzone. And it went back and forth. So for for after Uncharted 4 to come out, and that being pretty as all hell, and then seeing Horizon Zero Dawn coming out, which looks just about prettier than all hell it's really interesting to see how where they can push the ps4 in a technical aspect but also making this giant open world just beautiful environment that i really mm-hmm. want to sink my teeth into oh yeah the use of color is oh, i'm glad so color, I'm, I'm glad color is making a comeback in modern games same i was I've getting tired of the browns i know I've, yeah. i'm pretty sure i saw a spectrum of every single shade of brown in the last generation of consoles, <laughs> Gears of War, I'm definitely looking at you on that one. Ooh. Ooh. All I saw were browns and greys. <laughs> right, Liam. Right. Um, what good for me 3 Ah, uh, I think my favourite thing from E3 was when Nintendo decided to stop, you know, being a cock tease and just decided to show six hours of Zelda footage, including a brand new trailer. Yes. Because there's been so much of like, oh yeah, it'll be coming soon. Oh, here's a little bit of footage. Here's a screenshot or two. And I'm just there like, come on, show the big bucks, show them. And I went, yeah, here's six hours of just us playing it. Just everything. It reminds me of a Miyazaki movie. Yeah, I mean, it is graphically beautiful. The art style is absolutely gorgeous. And it's like, they did say when they were like in early development, they go, Eiji Aonuma said, oh, I'm going to be taking a lot of inspiration from games like from Skyrim. That originally hmm. made me a bit worried because I was there like, but, but Skyrim is not Zelda. I want more Zelda. You see, when, <laughs> they, when they said that, my initial reaction was, Zelda with mod support? Oh, God, no. I've, <laughs> I've seen some mods for Skyrim. I do not want that in, attacking my lovely, innocent Zelda Thomas world. the Tank Engine in Zelda. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Can you imagine that? Ganondorf as Randy Savage. I was about to say, Macho Man Randy Ganon. Oh my it's like, god. It's like, what's that? Ooh, yeah! <laughs> Step into it! But yeah, every, I watched every single second of that footage. All the videos on Nintendo's channel, I've watched over and over. And it, it never ceases to amaze me. Some of the little things they've added into it. How Baron's, Exploding barrels, though. Yeah, exploding barrels. Yeah. And, that part. And as I am <laughs> such a fan of the Zelda lore, I look at it and look at it and look at it and I just go, where the hell does this fit in into the Hyrule Historia timeline? Because it, I know. it's so far everywhere. It can fit anywhere right now. Just Actually, with- my friend and I uh, discussed that after E3. We like made a little discussion video about like basically Pokemon Sun and Moon and Zelda. And uh, we came up with this theory that it could be like uh, either very, very far in the future or very, very far in the past, where like his theory was that technology originally reigned but they kind of lost touch with it and magic became the new technology. See, I, I've seen a lot of things like the technology they've shown. The, you know those little spider creatures that shoot lasers? Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. A lot of their powers came from a lot of like the look of them, the visual style. Looks like something out of Skyward Sword. Um, yeah. Link's clothing in the trailer is the blue scorpion pajamas from Wind Waker. The gauntlets he is wearing are Ganondorf's gauntlets from Ocarina of Time. The world is barren which makes me think it could be the timeline where the hero lost. So leading into the original Legend of Zelda and things like that. But yeah. it also talks about how the world was once like flooded and now it's not, which means it could be in Wind Waker. There's some, it has the Bridge of Elden in it, in the, the newest trailer, which is from Twilight Princess. I'm just there like, it could be anywhere. And I'm so well, excited. It's, it's even more like ambiguous what time it is because they revealed that like you can use Wolf Link in the game. So there's two links on the screen at one time. So it could even be like an alternate universe. Yeah, I don't know if that they'll consider that a canonical part of the story, though. So it, might, it might just be a thing of, you have the Wolf Link amiibo. There you go. You can use it. Yeah, true. I hope it is that, because, yeah, if they do throw the whole, like, Wolf Link being in the new Zelda as a canon thing, that is going to just throw every little fan theory I have out of the window. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I was kind of hoping the... Amiibo support would pan out a little bit more, so that I don't know if you put the Falco Amiibo on there, you just got Falco following you everywhere. I would like, I would, <laughs> I would constantly, I'd have the uh, Captain Falcon Amiibo constantly on my Wii U gamepad, just so he could. Hey, fa- Link, Falco, Falco, Bunch! just everything. I would have to use Mewtwo. Uh, Mewtwo, you've summoned Mewtwo. You've instantly won the game. <laughs> <laughs> Mewtwo, use Psychic on Ganondorf. It's super effective. You win. <laughs> oh, no, no, I feel no, like Ganondorf would be effective. dark type. Yeah, exactly. It's not very effective because <laughs> Ganon's dark type. Mewtwo gets owned. But yeah, it's, uh, the Zelda footage to me was probably the highlight of all of E3, which is a bit of a shame because like Microsoft did a really good conference. I really liked what they did by saying pretty much every Xbox One exclusive is coming to PC. So if you yeah. have a PC, you really don't need an Xbox One. Which made True. me go, oh, thank <laughs> Christ, I have a PC. PlayStation's one was like, oh, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, Crash Bandicoot coming back. I was there going, yes, please, yes, please. But that was all shadowed by the moment the Nintendo Treehouse started and a new Zelda trailer happened. Mm. I, was, I think I think we can all agree that game alone has pretty much sold it for everyone. For the NX oh, is yeah. going to be great. 
All they need, all mm-hmm. Nintendo need for the NX to be great is for them to really pick up third-party support again. Yeah. Because that was where the Wii U failed, is that people just stopped, the third party just stopped supporting it, which meant the Wii U is essentially a Nintendo exclusives machine. If I look at my Wii U titles, they're all just Nintendo exclusives. Yeah, true. But the NX, please. New F-Zero, please. Yes, new F-Zero. I've been wanting this since GX, because GX on the Cube was one of the hardest and one of the most beautiful and brilliant racing games I've ever played. I don't know about you guys as well. I kind of want a new Metroid on the NX. Well, Retro Studios have said that they are open to doing another Metroid, which I'm there like, yes, please, take it away from Team Ninja. Please do. <laughs> because, For God's sake, please do. Retro Studios are... I've, I've been saying this a lot, and that Retro Studios are becoming the rare of today. Yeah. Where everything they, really they touch are. and every franchise they do... They do amazing things, and that's what it's rare. Gold. That's what rare used to be. They're not so much anymore. Platonic Games take it away, but um, yeah, Retro Studios. They did Metroid. The Metroid Prime trilogy is one of the greatest trilogies of all time. Yeah. And they did Donkey Kong Country Returns. I've not played Tropical Freeze yet, but it's got David Wise doing the soundtrack, which means I will definitely be picking up once it goes onto Nintendo Select in the UK. It already has. What in the UK? <laughs> yep. Well, what? there you go. Well, Sold. excuse me while I just leap to Amazon and pick up a lovely, lovely game. Okay, while go you ahead. do that, while you do that, Rob, why don't you share one of your good parts for me three this year? Well, I had uh, three games that uh, really caught my attention. Well, the first one is more of a concept, like uh, Luke was saying about Crash Bandicoot, because the fact that they are remastering the first three games. Which arguably his best, yeah, in the series, because we know what happened with Twin Sanity. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Twin Sanity wasn't. Hey, Twin bad. Sanity is hugely underrated. I bought it the other day, and I think it is an absolutely tremendous game. And I'll, I will defend it until the I, end. I, of the I earth. still love that game. Don't get me wrong. The soundtrack in it is amazing. Oh, the soundtrack is so good. I think but it's a hugely underrated game. It is a hugely underrated game, and I absolutely adore it. But um, the one thing that um, the one thing that I loved about Crash Bandicoot and sort of like Spyro the Dragon and all the 3D platformers at that time is that it was still the whole genre was still in its infancy at that point, and they were just they were bringing together all these different ideas and just bring it into like. They they made they made the memories that a lot of gamers today w- inspire like they are inspired to create games that were like them. Yeah, mm. and that's why I love the Crash Bandicoot series so much because there was so many like different things. I mean, the first game is one of the most one of the hardest games I've ever played on PlayStation One, partly because of the controls. And partly because it was so tightly designed. Mm. Yeah, if you want to go for a hundred percent in that game, oof. I've seen Good some luck. people do it on um, awesome games done quick and Luminec. Oh yeah, uh, speaking of which, um, yeah, that's some, ongoing at the moment. Yeah, summer games done quick should be taking place right now. Definitely, great. Yeah, stuff. I heard about that. Yeah? yeah. Oh, I'll have to tune in once this is done. The second one for me was probably a game that not a lot of people are going to actually get into because they didn't like the first one or the one on Wii U, and that was Sonic Boom Fire and Ice. 
Fair and enough. the 3DS versions of those games actually weren't bad. No, the 3DS right. version this time has actually put more emphasis on speed. And I saw some of the gameplay, and it looks genuinely quite good. Nowhere near the level of like Sonic Rush and Sonic Rush Adventure, which, quite fa- frankly, are some of Sonic's best portable games. I'll agree with that. Oh yeah, Sonic Rush was amazing. Well, as long as the speed sections are better than what they were in Sonic Boom, because they were just really like there was so much slowdown oh, the and frame rate is- the frame rate issues were awful. Yeah. Yeah. So and then- they they better be better if they're going to put more emphasis on the speed. Mm. And then my third one, which was one that uh, Liam sort of hinted to, was um, Ukulele. I yes. can't wait for that. I, as soon Same. As, as soon as that, that game, Kickstarter started, I uh, put 20 quid towards it, so I'm waiting for the playground stuff to appear. Oh, yeah. The, um, the one thing that I love about Ukulele is that it feels like nothing... I mean, like obviously things have changed, like thing, but it feels just like Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. feels like it's a natural progression. Whereas, whereas um, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, let's face it, they were oh. trying to impress on Next Gen and they kind of, they put too many Failed. ideas in the pot and it just blew up. I have a, a small theory about Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, so I don't mind, uh, hope you don't mind if I quickly yeah. No, share yeah, it. go on, Liam. Uh, basically, I... I believe that Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts originally started as Banjo-3 in its production. Because if you think back to the very first trailer to say Banjo and Kazooie are back, it hinted at the Collectathon game. It was them trying to get through a door, and when they got through it, they saw Spiral Mountain, they saw Jiggies, they saw the notes. They saw everything that made Banjo, Banjo. And then it was years. We had years where nothing happened from that game. And then when it came back, we saw some stuff, and then it slowly turned into Nuts and Bolts. But if you go into any of the worlds in Nuts and Bolts, have you noticed that there seems to be the ideas for something to do, but not the content in there? That makes me believe mm-hmm. that they built those worlds, realised those worlds were too big for people to like traverse as Banjo and Kazooie, and therefore try to save what they made so far by making it a vehicle-based game. I believe it was probably originally going to be use the vehicles to get around, but then they realised that I would jar it from the platforming too much, so then they probably changed it into a vehicle challenge game. Yeah, I kind of noticed there was a lot of empty space in that game. So it makes sense that it would take too long to just run around with them. Yeah. But I I honestly wouldn't mind if it was just Banjo-Kazooie with, with vehicles. Like... When when you play, if you if you look at it, it's not just the levels of barren. It's just that you've got the very concept of there should be something to do there. It's in the very first world. You notice that there's a volcano with little, little bits of platforms around the edges of it. That leads me to believe that that was probably some form of platforming s section that was put there. Mm-hmm. And then they just sort of went, oh crap, this level's huge. People are going to spend ages just walking from one side to the other, which you don't want in a banjo game. So they saw. I, I believe that Nuts and Bolts was then pretty much trying to fix a mistake, and it wasn't an awful game. It just wasn't a banjo game. That's mm-hmm. true. But um, the thing is, like with banjo, it was like the levels were so like they were small. They were big enough that you could explore, but they were small enough so like you'd always run into a puzzle pretty much yeah. all the time. So then mm-hmm. you wouldn't have any trouble picking up the jiggies if you if you knew which way to turn. Yeah, but um, 
you came across them more naturally. That's that, and that's what I think they're trying to go for on ukulele. And I mm-hmm. loved the little conversation between Yuka and Lele at the end of the trailer by them saying, "Where's the brown level?" I, I liked the the little sting they did at nuts and bolts, saying there'll probably be vehicles in it by the time they're done. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was the. The the combination of those two jokes was just like, like it took the the whole thing of the trailer, and it it just took it to the next level for me. There, it just said they knew that that that's kind of self deprecation is what makes rare what made the rare games so incredibly funny. Yeah. They weren't afraid to take the piss out of themselves. Yeah, ask me. I'm very much looking forward to ukulele. It is my childhood in a game. And as I said, it's got so many of the rare veterans in it. It's got David Wise and Grant Kirkhope doing the oh. doing the soundtrack. So we got the guy who did Banjo and Kazooie, and also the guy who did Diddy Kong Racing, Donkey Kong Country, all of those titles. Yeah. He's back as well. And it, they have some samples on the Playtonic game SoundCloud. I recommend you listen to them because you will just feel a cartoon-esque video game nostalgia for songs that you've never heard before. But you just know that they play a part in your childhood. Oh, that, oh yeah, definitely. And <laughs> nice. um, also, if you're a fan of ukulele, I highly recommend that. Even though it's not really really E3 related, I highly recommend that you check out A Hat in Time as well. Oh yeah, you were telling us about that. Yeah, hat- I, I do. I want. I want to check that out because it's um, it's been in beta for some time now, but they've just finished sending out the Kickstarter surveys for what platform they want on it or something or the addresses so i think that they are getting close to the final release date now that's pretty cool yeah mm-hmm. which nice. it just think and there was also another game that this is the last one that it hasn't even got a demo yet but it has a sort of a magical feeling to it that i really think will like once it takes off, it will it would be good. It's called um, Fiona Frightening and the Wicked Wardrobe. I've heard of this. If you look on uh, Facebook, you can find that it's got there's a theme song for it, and it sounds just wonderfully, like um, you know, it's sort of wonderfully kind of Danny Elfman kind of Nightmare Before Christmas kind of, but Ooh. it's also got a theme of um, I don't know. It's also got a theme of like a Saturday morning children's television program as well. Hmm. I just think that if you if you have a listen, I think, to the theme song, I think you'll really have an idea of what they're trying to envisage. Nice. Well, you sold me when you said Danny Elfman esque. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I've always been a like I've been a massive fan of like his kind of stuff for years. I mean the stuff he did for like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Nightmare for Christmas, Corpse Bride. You know, oh, yeah. great things. If I had to go with one really good thing that I just I just fell over laughing and just loved every second of it. It was South Park in the fractured butthole. The I fact- was, yes. I cannot wait for that. Stick of I Truth was, was brilliant. Yeah. Like bearing in mind I haven't owned the Stick of Truth because I played it around a mate's house and of course my mate decided to play it as the Jew. It was just Oh so... oh yeah, you have to play it as the Jew. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> canon. It's canon. You have to do it. Um It's an amazing game. So hilarious. 
And when they showed it off during the Ubisoft conference, I was automatically sold. Like, the trailer for it with all the puns towards Marvel, DC, Civil War was just fantastic. The Coon! Oh, yes! Just bringing back some of my favourite, like, versions of the South Park characters coming back. Um, Mm. Even the gameplay being completely organised again and changed up so that instead of the standard eight, like uh, turn-based system that you had last time, now it's more like a grid system, kind of similar to that of the Mega Man Battle Network game, but instead of being able to move anywhere in that area rather than just be stuck within like a uh, 5x5 grid in your personal space away from mm. the enemy's personal space, which is great. And they've incorporated how pushbacks can hurt other enemies, push them into environments to stun them, do this, that, the other to make combos. It's it's just looks like the perfect, hilarious South Park RPG. I can't wait to get my hands on it again. Yeah, and the best thing about... Uh, one of the best things about The Fractured Butthole is the fact that if you pre-order it now, you can get a copy of Stick of Truth absolutely free. Which is why when my next paycheck comes in, I'm on it. Mm-hmm. Too bad I already have a copy. Well, of it's um, <laughs> it, 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 well, I wouldn't say the best, but it is definitely a bonus for the people that decided not to pick it up first time round. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. Completely fair enough. So that that was that was a bit of a short and sweet one out of a lot, but we got to move on, guys. Thanks very much for listening. Now, before we close off, we will obviously hype up where you can hit us up on the Twitters or Facebooks or anything along those lines. In case you have any questions for us for any future podcasts, which I'm sure we would normally bring up at the end of the show. So, guys, where can we hook you up via the internets? Are you trying to deal drugs? M- maybe. <laughs> My where drug can we hook you up, son? <laughs> Smoke weed every day. Smoke weed. <laughs> For 20 blaze it. <laughs> so, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, you can. That is at VXPLOD on Twitter. Capital T H E, capital X P L O D E R. Rob, you want to hit you? You want to give people, give people your socials? Oh, um, well, um, I don't really have any active social links, so. <laughs> uh, social <laughs> so, links. So, no. Well, <laughs> okay then. If people want to, I know, message me, contact me. I'd rather you didn't, but hey, if you want to, just uh, send me a message on Twitter, at MrGSef. If you don't know how to spell it, I'm not going to bother explaining. You can just figure it out for yourself. Ah, <laughs> well, actually, right if you want to catch me on Twitter, my my tag is at Rob underscore VGU. There you go. That's simple. That's an easy one. <laughs> I like it. And last but not least, our special guest of this week, Clover. Okay, well, um, I am very open to messages, so feel free to ask me about games and stiff. Conventions, you know, whatever. Um, I'm on Twitter, at Steel Fairy Games. Uh, basically, it's like the Pokemon type, Steel Fairy. That's how you spell it. All one word. Steel Fairy Games. Nicely done. Well, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, hook us up anywhere and everywhere. As well as that, if you want to follow VGU, be sure to do so. It is at VGU Gaming on Twitter and VGU Official on Facebook, as well as VGU Gaming 
on YouTube. Ladies and gents, this has been VPGU Podcast. We will be seeing you next time. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.